accountants. It's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, change maker, and Guinness world record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice, and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. I have an exciting announcement. This is episode 15 of Make It Count, which means we have officially outlasted the Harry and Meghan podcast. Not only are we disrupting the accounting industry, we are literally outperforming royalty. And speaking of royalty, today, folks, I have got a real treat for you. She's just returned from London, and I am delighted to welcome someone who I see as the queen of the accounting kingdom. I am delighted to welcome founder of the Core Leadership Institute and director of Uptraining. It is Simone Liley. Simone, welcome to Make It Count. Wow, Freddie, that's a, that's a heck of an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have like a trumpet fanfare or something in the background. Thank you so very much. I'm very humbled. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are very, very welcome. So I've, as we said before we started recording, I have been so excited to welcome you onto the show. I've wanted to have you on the show since right the first episode of Make It Count. So it's amazing yeah. that we can finally make this happen. And Simone, to, to get us started, for anyone that hasn't heard about you and, and the work that you do, tell us a bit about yourself. I've been in the industry for 25 plus years, and I started off like a lot of us do, where I kind of just stumbled into the industry. And I had banking as a, a career when I first started working, grew up in a family business, that sort of thing. And from banking, I went into small business support. So I was, you know, office management, that sort of thing. So I worked with small businesses in their accounts department and, and you know, the front office and all those sorts of different roles that you have there. And when I was working for an engineering company, actually, it was a, quite a large engineering company. And I really got bitten by the bug for accounting. Mm. And I also had friends that were asking me to do, you know, help them with their GST and all those sorts of things. So I decided that I wanted to enter the accounting industry. I got a job at BDO Spices, which was a long time ago now, <laughs> <laughs> and really trained on the job. So I already had a bookkeeping background. I'd done bookkeeping. I was doing bookkeeping for friends and things like that. So I really just consumed information about it. I've always, you know, wanted to do things right sort of thing. Mm. And I know there's a lot of bookkeepers that kind of start like that. I was a mum. I was balancing it with raising children, all those sorts of things. And so I went through, I suppose, the ranks of, you know, being trained on the job from bookkeeping to accounting and then practice management. I didn't actually get my qualifications until about, I think about 10 years ago. Mm. So, and that was more about my imposter, you know, really sort of telling me I needed to go and 
and backtrack and get these pieces of paper. And I know there's lots of us that really value those pieces of paper and, and it is valuable to go through the formal process as well. Along the way, I got pretty excited about what makes people tick. I'd always been a bit of a closet psychologist, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I was one of those people that friends always came to me to tell me their problems. Even my mother, you know, always came to me for advice, those sorts of things. I was just one of those people. You know those people, right? Mm. You have those in your life, people that you just know you can go to. And when I started developing, you know, more into advisory and, you know, helping other firms get into advisory and then developing my own advisory piece as well, Mm -hmm. I, I really got a lot of queries about from other accountants. How did you do that? How did you, you know, grow so fast with that? And of course, that was with the beautiful resource of the Gap community as well. So I really got heavily involved in that. Mm. And that process of helping other accountants to be able to deliver advisory as well really highlighted that there were some other issues going on that weren't just strategy. Um, you know, I was a bit of a dog with a bone. It's like, okay, so we've got the strategy, we've got the resource, and we've got everything that we need to be able to implement what's stopping implementation. And of course, there's a few things that stop implementation, but I really wanted to not just know the answer of what, but how could we change that outcome then? Mm. How is it that we could support someone that was getting in their own way to be able to shift and get the results that they were really wanting. So so my advisory side of it really morphed into coaching other accountants and also having more of an internal leaning on the type of coaching that we do here now. And then about three or four years ago, four years ago, I think it was now, I had a total meltdown. (laughs) I don't know that I've actually said that before, but I say it in my groups, Mm. like, you know, when I'm doing the groups, I I do let everybody know there that I had this meltdown. I had an argument actually with my partner. We don't really tend to argue, but there was an old, an old story kept coming up in our relationship. Mm. Have you ever had that, you know, that experience where you think that that argument's actually finished or resolved? Yeah, definitely. It sits there. You think it's buried and then it keeps on somehow finding its way to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we had that, right? I was like, are you serious? Like, are we back here again? Mm. Like, I couldn't believe that this was a topic, a problem, an issue that was coming up again. And at the time, so it was basically... Bruce was one one side of the argument and I was on the other side of the argument. Bruce was your your partner. And we couldn't really see, Bruce Mm. is my partner, and we couldn't really see each other's point of view. Mm. And it was an old argument. Both of us had to get going. It was in the morning. He had to go to the farm. I had to go to the office. And so we had to put a pin in the argument. Mm. And that's okay. So put a pin in the argument. I came into the office, did what I had to do. And then when I had the space again to revisit it, I actually went, I need to get out of the office. I'm going to take myself for a walk. Mm. And I was annoyed. I was frustrated. All of those negative emotions, you know, that come up when you feel like you're getting nowhere and even more frustrated by the fact that you thought you were getting somewhere. Mm. (laughs) And then you're even further back than you thought you were, right? So, and it got me really curious. I was like, how can this possibly be? 
we're two mature adults. Bruce is in his 60s. I'm in my 50s. It's not like we're young, mm. right? Immature, but not young. <laughs> so you, you look no. very young. We all feel very young, obviously. <laughs> well, thank you. Anyway, so I went for this walk along the beach, got myself a coffee, and I was in that furious kind of state. And... Of course, the beach and water is always a lovely place for me to be. Always, not, you know, pat and interrupt, take yourself out of your environment. It's a good thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Had the luxury of doing so. But then, of course, had to come back to the office. Now, when I came back to the office, I sat down and I just had this total download. I was like, oh, my gosh. I absolutely get it. I understand what gets in the way. Oh, my goodness. And I just grabbed my pen and my tablet, and I just scribbled and scribbled and scribbled, and I just downloaded all this information, all of this stuff that had come to me as I was walking, and that had come to basically a head as I'd come into the office. I got super excited about it and started playing with it and playing how it is that we could do and work with this, with our clients. And so created a signature system or a a model that we worked with. And that's evolved over time into being the core leadership certification. And then of course, our core leadership ultimate. So it's really around understanding that personal and professional are not separate. Mm. We are the whole and we have to work on the whole. If we've got results that we're not getting in our business, we also need to look at what's going on in our personal life. I remember back in the day where we always used to say, well, work's work and home's home. And yeah. you know, you've got to leave work at work and leave home at home. It's actually not possible. It mm. really, in my model of the world, Freddie, it isn't possible to do that. Or if you do, it is to your detriment in my model of the world. Right. Mm. I think if we work on us as a whole, then the results will permeate between, not just between, but in every area of your life. So that's really what the core leadership is about, is really understanding how you as a whole operate. So when you understand that and get the tools on how to be able to tinker with the machinery, Mm. (laughs) with the equipment that is you to get the results that you're looking for then that really elevates your results. So that's been really exciting. Was that a super long answer to a It was an amazing answer. Thank you so much for for your honesty as well, Simone. And I'd love to take a couple of steps back just to to explore that that, as what you say, that that meltdown. And and thank you for sharing. And it's funny because we we describe these things as, as a meltdown, but it also sounds like as a result of that meltdown, as an outcome, it, it gave you a lot of clarity and this fresh direction. And was that scary in terms of so having this day when this this total new direction was appearing on the page in front of you as you were writing? How did that feel? Was it exhilarating? Was it, was it terrifying? First, it felt incredible. Mm. Like to... It was almost like, um, you know, for the woo-woos out there, it was almost like I received this information. Getting it into something that I can help people with, Mm. well, it took a little bit of time, right? And took a little bit of wrangling with my ego. Mm. You know, my ego is, um, like many of us, is alive and well, as I said before, (laughs) before we jumped on. Mm. And, you know, it's something that I am conscious of on the daily that 
you know, our ego is really here to keep us safe. And so if we are stepping out of our comfort zone and we're putting ourselves into the realm of being seen and in the firing line, for example, stepping out of compliance and into mm-hmm. advisory, then of course our ego is going to come and play, you know? So whenever we're stepping into something that we're not a hundred percent sure of the outcome, I think it's equal parts frightening mm. and exhilarating and, I don't think I'd change it for anything. I just really want our industry to embrace the changes that have come our way, whether we like it or not. Mm. And we have such an opportunity right now to really evolve our practices into businesses that, you know, cradle and support and thrive small businesses and and big Mm. And, you know, can be quite pivotal for our economies. And I think that it's about time we stepped up as an industry and truly embraced how powerful and how capable to lead entrepreneurs into that often scary environment of mm. growth and development. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree. And, and and it's been said before, and I, I'll say it again, that I believe accountants are the, are the magicians of the business world. You have all these entrepreneurs, yeah, all these business owners absolutely. saying, we know what we want to do, but we don't know how to do it. Or we're kind of stumbling along, but we're not doing it very well. And it's suffering. It's making the whole of us suffer. And accountants have got the skills, the talents, the expertise, the experience to help show them the way, to light the path for them. But at the same time, we have to Mm. equip accountants with the skills, the the habits and the mindset to be able to to use their talents to the best of their ability. Absolutely. And I have to to ask as well, we've talked about uh, ego and you mentioned uh, imposter syndrome earlier on and mm-hmm. uh, when you had this as you say this that i love the woo woo side of things so we can talk about uh downloads from from the universe all day long <laughs> but when you had this moment because I, I believe that again accountants and business owners have this this moment when you kind of you get the inspiration and i always see it as a bit of a mental crossroads when you like do i follow these signs or do i just say in my case, ah, that was Freddie and his crazy ideas again. Oh, well, back to <laughs> back to playing it safe, back just to chilling out in my comfort zone. And mm. so with, with the ego and the imposter syndrome that you mentioned, yeah. were those moments or were, there, or were you just thinking, no, it's going to be this way. I'm just going to have to find a way to make it happen. That's a great question. I struggled with imposter syndrome my whole life. Mm. Low self-esteem, whatever you want to call it. I think they're related very closely related. Mm. And for me, what I needed to get clear on and how I could eliminate the imposter syndrome was when the people that I needed to help or that I wanted to help and that I knew I could help and how to help, when they became the focus, then Mm. I will walk down the street in a bikini if it makes someone feel better and have a breakthrough. (laughs) You just lose the concern about yourself Mm. because if putting myself out there means that I can reach somebody that's struggling with an issue. And when I work with accountants, like we work with accountants, right? Like that is to me such an incredible privilege because 
not only is the work that we're doing together going to support them and their team, Mm. but they're going to go on and then be able to support all of their clients. So for me, it's just like, oh my goodness, you know, the more accountants we can reach, the ripple effect through the economy, through everything is just going to be phenomenal. So, and is phenomenal, you know, so I get really excited about that. You know, like we've got a lot of burnt out accountants. We've got a lot of uh, accountants that do struggle with imposter syndrome. And if I can smash that out of the park for someone and they can then step into who it is that they're really meant to be and want to be and have the tools to be able to do that and love that, then, oh my God, you know, it just lights me up big time. I'm just like, I just super pumped about it. Imposter syndrome goes out the door. And you're absolutely <laughs> right. And it isn't just about, uh, obviously, we, we always think in our, in our minds, it's accountants and accounting firms and the accounting industry. But then you think of the, you know, it's almost the, the financial butterfly effect. Yeah. When by helping accountants to use their talents to the best of their ability, we're changing business owners' businesses. We're changing their lives. We're, cha- we're literally probably saving marriages. We're Absolutely. probably creating babies, which is a whole other probably podcast topic on its own, uh, where we're helping the economy, all these different things. And, and that's why I think it's so important that okay. accountants never say, I'm just an accountant, because no one is, is just an accountant. Absolutely. Everyone has the power to make massive change happen. Absolutely. And I truly believe that given the environment and the tools to be able to do that, it's critical. Like, sorry, I just get so excited about this. I just think, you know, it's that that whole roll-on effect, right? Like, Mm. and you're exactly right, Freddie, around saving marriages, families, Mm. you know, and even at its rawest, you know, um, and it pains me to say, but, you know, I have had clients that have been at the end of the line. Mm. They're so stressed and so under the pump of compliance and for so long that they can't see an alternative. Mm. And when you can work with someone to be able to get out from under that and see a bright alternative that's possible mm. and that they're excited by that, then, you know, that's a game changer. Exactly. We have got one of the worst, sorry, I know I just switched there, Freddie, but. No, not at all. You know, if we want to get quite serious about this, and this is what drives me, this is what gets me out of bed in the morning, is depending on what statistics you look at, we have either the third highest or the fifth highest rate of suicide, of depression, of divorce and of heart disease, Mm. those four things, which are phenomenally critical. And we have the third and fifth highest, depending on which stats you look at. Now, for me, that's completely unacceptable. Absolutely. And so if what we're doing can reduce those statistics, then I'm all in. Mm. And I think you're you're so right. And it's something that I maybe don't talk about much or make it count because it's all about the guests, but I certainly don't hide as well. But that was me. That was the start of my journey. Um, Or shall I say the end of the previous journey when I was there metaphorically and literally on the edge Mm. saying I can't carry on. And for me, that was when I felt there was no other way out except a a very permanent way. And that's what I thought I need to change. Mm. And, And you're right. And I, 
I think sometimes no one should ever fall into the trap of, of thinking when it comes to people or, or leadership or culture or change, some people go, oh, that's a bit soft and fluffy and, you know, counting as numbers and all these things. Yeah. It is not soft and fluffy when you have people's lives, when you have their futures, when you have their... Not at all. This is why I get quite emotional about things. When, when you have literally the, the fates of them and their family, mm. how can that be called soft and fluffy? That is a life and death scenario. That is a such an important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, thank you for sharing, you know, and being vulnerable as well, Freddie. I really appreciate that in this space that, you know, it just happens way too often. And I don't want anyone in our industry, I don't want anyone ever, but anyone in our industry to ever feel like there is no other way. And we know that our industry has become under the pump Mm. after, you know, the last three years. And we're only human. Right. So Mm. we need to remind ourselves of that and step back. And, you know, it's not up to us to be at our desk from seven till midnight. Mm. That's not a way to save the business, save the world. Right. So we need to put it in perspective sometimes, you know. Exactly. And I 100% agree. Anyway, let's shake uh, that off a little. We we go all over the place on this podcast, don't we? um, (laughs) I'd love to to know as well. And I totally agree with this, by the way, that it is about the whole person and the whole of how someone operates. And, And again, this was the old version of me. I used to say that whole kind of leave the stuff at home in the office, uh, at the office door as you walk into the office and then you leave the office. And, and I, I very much wore wore two different masks of the of the home Freddy and the work Freddy. But I 100% agree that if we want to perform at our best and live life to the best of our abilities and fulfill our purposes, we have to focus on the whole person. You mentioned about tinkering with the machinery, which uh, which I love. <laughs> How do you do it? How do you focus on, on the whole person? What is your approach to all of this? Uh, that's another great question. And I think that I just, if it's okay, I'd like to also go back to what, something that you just mentioned mm. around the masks that you wore, mm. right? Now, we all wear masks and these masks are layers, you know, that we develop over time and they're from experiences and events that happen with us and to us and we build a bit of a mask in our model of the world, right? And so Mm. we've got these layers of masks on as we evolve as a human, right? Yeah. The challenge is that each mask comes with some weighting. Mm. And I mean, W-E-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. And the more masks we wear, the more energy is required to be who you think it is you need to be when you're wearing that mask. Mm. And so if we can start to unpack then understand and get comfortable with removing those masks and, you know, the layers and getting very comfortable with who it is that we are and how it is that we show up in whatever environment, Mm. then it stands to reason, right, that the weight that you carry is lifted and less. And so the energy that is required to be Freddie is no energy at all because Freddie's just being Freddie. Well, you'd be surprised, Simon. I mean, bloody hell, it's, it's a roller coaster in a day in my life, that's for sure. But you never know quite which way it's going to go. But but I totally get what you mean. And it's I always believe it. The world is not as it is. The world is as you are. Mm. I think if if you're looking at the world through an authentic lens, through mm. say when we take off all the masks and mm. we, we can look at the world purely with, with almost with fresh eyes, then 
it is like and I've, cause I've been there I tried to be someone else I tried to be so many different versions of myself Fine. and um yeah when you can remove these masks it is literally like taking your weight off your shoulders absolutely is literally and it's incredibly liberating there's no one better at being authentically you than you mm. and so when you do connect with being authentically you, and of course this is a work in progress, ongoing Definitely. evolution, or it's not, it's like success, right? It's not a destination. Nope. It's an evolution. Success is not a destination. Authenticity is an evolution. So it's not a destination. Mm. And as we evolve and grow as leaders, we're removing some of the masks we're not even aware of yet. That's very true. Right. I think we were saying this before we we hit record that, um, and again, I had this in, in, in my corporate career, I think a lot of accountants, you walk into the office and you think, I need to be the accountant version of me now. I need to be the client facing version. And obviously we, I, I always these things, see these things as like dials that you have to turn up and turn down rather than, than switches. But yeah. there is still that element of I need to be who people expect me to be. Mm. And and there's always levels of professionalism, but it can be draining. And we had it with this podcast. I was like, I, I need to create a podcast for accountants. And it was very serious. I was like, ah, to hell with that. I'm with... It just can't, it can't be sustainable. And I think- I'm every, so glad. Yeah, exactly. I'd be boring myself if that was the case. And um, <laughs> but, but I think in all aspects of our life, if we start to be who we expect other people think we should be, if we start to set goals based on other people's goals and desires, if we start filling our calendars with other people's goals and dreams, then it's always difficult yeah. to live that whole fulfilled version of our own lives and careers. Absolutely. And a good part of what, when we enter the core leadership ultimate program, which is after the certification, we're really working more intimately with our clients. And this is where we start to really unpack exactly what they want. Mm. And you'll be surprised, or maybe not, actually, with the work you do as well. Clients will often come in wanting the textbook version of success. Mm. After we've gone through the certification and after we go through a good amount of the ultimate side of things, we really get to the true what is it that they really want because there are so many ways to live a life, Mm. right? And there's so many ways to run a practice. There's so many ways to structure a practice. You know, what is it that you want? Because we only get one shot at this life, Definitely. right? So you can't blame the industry for not having the practice that you want. No, I totally agree, uh, Samar. And I was going to say as well, I'd, just that question that you said is one of my most triggering questions because it was one that I used to hate being asked. What do you want? Mm. Such a simple question. But you ask it to someone or even if you sit quietly and think, what do I actually... It's a bloody difficult question to answer. But if you really go deep on, oh, what do I actually really truly want with my life? It's, I found it confusing, scary, challenging, terrifying, all of these things. I think surely, how could it be so so difficult just to be able to understand, identify what we want, not, yeah. not what other people want for us as well? Is that still the case? Do you still find that question triggering and terrifying? To be honest with you, when I'm finding it tricky and terrifying, it's because um, usually because I'm lying to myself. I'm usually aware of an answer. Another question that I ask myself and my clients, 
is what are you pretending not to know? Yeah. And there's something that I'm usually pretending not to know or, or pretending not to shine a light on yeah. where am I really it is. Yeah. And, and I was going to say as well, so when you run that exercise in your groups, which sounds super powerful, does anything ever surprise you? Are there any, any themes that, that come up time and again that either surprise you or kind of you see it in your clients when the penny drops that, that surprises them? Um, that's a good question. You've got me thinking. You know, I've just had two months traveling, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I wouldn't say it's a surprise in that you don't expect it mm. in that way. What is, and my mother used to tell this to me all the time, if only you could see you through my eyes. Wow. And I feel like that about my clients. Mm. If only you could see you through my eyes. So what does surprise me sometimes is how they can't see their brilliance. Mm. They've got that block to who they really are. And I think we all do have that at times, but Gosh, you know, I have the privilege of working with some incredible humans. Mm. Yeah, it still does surprise me when they really can't see how incredible they are. It's amazing. And that's such a, a more eloquent way of, of saying it, how I've always said it to myself, which is um, if you spoke to your colleagues or your clients the way you speak to yourself, you'd probably be fired or at least in trouble with HR. And uh, because again, all of these, I say, because I've, I've been there and I've done it and I continue to live it in terms of our negative self-talk that, yeah. that you're not good enough, you're not powerful enough. You have the inner parent and the inner child who's either scared saying I'm not good enough or who's scolding us. Mm. But you're right, the people, everyone has greatness within themselves, especially in the accounting industry mm. where people are smart and talented and driven and passionate about their clients. But it kills me as well when mm. people just can't see how, how amazing they are or, or talk themselves out of out of being even greater. I think one of the struggles with seeing your own brilliance is that it comes at a price. Mm. I would say that the price is sometimes something that people aren't willing to pay and that price is visibility. What do you mean by visibility? If you're going to step into doing the work that you really want to do, like as an accountant, stepping into more advisory or stepping into, you know, more dynamic work outside of compliance, then that requires more visibility than perhaps you feel comfortable with. Mm. And I believe that that's where a good amount of the challenge comes. And that's what we work with. We take the pedal off the adrenals for you. Because, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the machinery mm. loves to keep you safe, right? So if you're going to do something different here right now, I'm just going to fire you up with a few things like another shot of adrenaline. And mm. I've forgotten all my hormones at the moment, but you'll be able to pull them in. Mm. Serotonin. Yep. Is that it? Dopamine. Stress, a, yeah. stress hormone. Yeah. So some of us are living on that stuff. Mm. So, of course, it's going to feel like stepping into visibility is going to be even dangerous. You know, we can frame it as that. Because, you know, the modern saber-toothed tiger is labelled as um, a lack of belonging and ridicule and rejection. So, mm. you know, there's a lot that goes with it, right? Definitely. And I think we we always get caught in, in how do we do something? And I, I see this, again, with, with accountants and with myself, you talk about a step into advisory. But how do I do that? How do I sell something? How do I pitch? How do I communicate? And I always say the question is not how, the question is who. 
who do we need to be? Mm. And the answer is usually ourselves, the true authentic version of mm. ourselves. Like, accountants have got the answers. They're super smart. They're yeah. way smarter than I am. They have everything they need. It's about, as you say, Gosh, yeah. stepping into it and being willing to be visible, potentially vulnerable, yeah. but potentially being out of that comfort zone because that is is obviously where where growth happens, greatness happens, but also some discomfort has to happen as well. Yeah, totally. It's it's a powerful uh, approach to model. And I know from from speaking to, to many of your clients, it truly, truly is transformational. I'd like to look to the future as well. And, and you spoke at the beginning about some of the changes happening in the industry and obviously the, the challenges that, that accountants and their practices face. What is your perspective? How how do you think this industry is going to shift and, and how can accountants be best prepared to not only survive, because that would be boring, how, how do they actually survive, grow and, and prosper in this interesting future that's coming upon us? Yeah, well, it's always, it's, you know, we want to get off the bottom rung of Maslow's hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> we don't want to be in survival. So, mm. and so many in the industry are, unfortunately, they are actually in survival mode. Mm. And I think that there can be a tendency to focus on the negative because we like data. Mm. (laughs) We get fed data. (laughs) So when the data is showing some things that are perhaps not things that we'd like to address or, you know, I mean, gosh, how long have they been talking about AI? And now at the moment they're talking about it like it's something new. Mm. It's like, oh, for goodness sake. (laughs) Totally agree. It's a cool thing to talk about at the moment, but but really it isn't anything crazily new. No, it's not crazy new grinds my gears a little bit (laughs) around it. But for me, I think that we've got a real opportunity to, you know, as far as AI goes, it's great for being able to do the tasks that are time consuming, that can do things that perhaps we don't have the resources for anymore. You will never, ever be able to simulate Simone Lyle and Freddie Bennett Mm. and all the other people that are the humans in the industry. And my personal belief is that as more autonomy of process takes over, is that the human approach will be more and more attractive and appealing. I would 100% agree with that. So if we have the ability to be able to develop our personal skills and develop our communication skills, not just to going from introvert to, you know, I'm not saying extrovert, Mm. but, you know, being comfortable with having more conversations and more challenging conversations, more intimate conversations, but about elevating the standard of how it is we communicate so that we are clear and conscious in vulnerability, so that we are clear and conscious in conflict. Mm. And if we can elevate those areas of our industry and within our team, as well, you know, which is what we do a lot of work on in core leadership, Mm -hmm. then to me, we've got so many opportunities. No, I think you're totally right. And it it is one of those aspects where the industry, like any industry, is evolving. I think that it would be remiss of us to say it is just the accounting industry that's facing challenges. But again, the world is is how we see it. If we decide to see things as scary and terrifying and we're going to be obsolete, then we will create a life for ourselves where we are living in fear and we become obsolete. If we see this as an exciting opportunity to make an even bigger difference, to improve our skills, to transform the lives of 
our colleagues, our clients, their businesses, their families, then that is what this future will become. Absolutely. If we choose to make it brilliant, then that's what it will be. Absolutely. And language has always been such an incredible and powerful tool. Mm. So if you can develop the excellence of language and communication, rapport, relationship building, those tools are incredibly powerful. Definitely. Because people don't remember what you say, right? They remember what how you made them feel. Mm. So how is it that you make your clients feel? What are your relationships like? If they're fly-by-nighters where, you know, your clients don't even know who you are, mm. then, you know, let's look at that. Because we all have the, the, that power within ourselves to, to make a different impact. And we, that sort of thing. We don't ha- always have control over everything in our life, but we have control over our thoughts, our actions, our behaviours, and we always have that in our power, how we can make someone feel and uh, how the impact we can leave on them. And it's, I guess it's up to them whether they accept that or not, but we can certainly do the effort on our side to yeah. put out the right thoughts and, and messages. Yeah, and I'll circle back to that because that's you know something that unfortunately a lot of people don't have control over mm. is their thoughts. Yes. They do when they're in a high state of joy. Mm. You know, everything's swimming along and everything's great. They've got great control over their thoughts then. <laughs> But when the proverbial hits the fan, Mm. (laughs) that's when we know how strong our ability is to control what it is we think. Definitely. So when we understand how we think, we then can build our muscle to be able to shift when our thoughts are not resourceful, we can shift them into resourceful thoughts. Mm. And please do not misunderstand that for thinking bloody positively, <laughs> because that does my head in. I'm just saying. Just think positively. <laughs> if only it was that easy. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, it's not about just thinking positively. It's about thinking resourcefully and having that resilience because stuff is going to happen. So we really want that quick recovery time from things, from challenges, right? Definitely. So that's a lot of what we work with, yeah. That's amazing. This has been a, a thrilling conversation. I, I literally don't know where the time has gone uh, wow. as it brings us to the end of the episode. But um, I know, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface and we have to continue this in, in a future episode. Before we do wrap up, we obviously have the final secret question, which is the tradition here on Make It Count, where the previous guest gets to set a secret question for the current guest, which is you. Um, so I am going to just pull up the uh, the question from the previous guest now. And um, I'm laughing because this is quite serendipitous in terms of the secret question, which I did not know before now. But the secret question is a two-parter, actually. But the secret questions for you, Simone, uh, which is to say it's interesting. What does success mean to you? And what is the secret of your success? Nothing like putting you on the spot with that one. What does success mean to you and what is the secret of your success? Hmm. So success means for me that I have created impact and impact to me is just helping one person. Hmm. I am on a mission to create a movement. Absolutely. I want to really help our industry understand and be able to be strong and significant core leaders, Mm. right? My focus on success is impact one person at a time. Definitely. And to me, that's that's success. Mm. And 
What was the second question? Uh, and what is what is the secret to your success? The secret to my success is knowing that there was no other option. I love that. I'm breaking my own rules here because I'd love to dig a bit deeper into that. Just for a second, I'll it's my podcast. I could do what I want, I suppose. But um that that what you were saying about there there being no other option, there's always a different conflict in my mind with this because you have the kind of earn the boats, make it happen because there is no other alternative, or there's also the kind of play it safe, make sure you've got a plan B and always have a backup. But are you very much in the camp of just find a way there is no other alternative? I hear you on that. You know, I've worked with a lot of, like, as a coach, I have my own coaches. I've also gone to coaching events and, you know, done all sorts of crazy stuff with other coaches as well. And, um, you know, burning the boats was never meant to be something like, you know, guns blazing and, you know, leave your secure full-time job to become a coach with no clients. Mm. That's never <laughs> been what burn the boats means however I, I've seen a lot of people do that in the coaching industry <laughs> for me there is no option mm. means for me that if I can help somebody mm. I have a responsibility to help somebody definitely and so there is no choice just to reflect that like you know I don't want to get all dramatic about it but this is where my brain goes right is that mm. um I recently watched that documentary on the Ficari rescue yeah and there was something that one of the I think his name was Mark Law uh the one of the pilots that mm. helped out and he said something in there he said in these critical moments in time there are people that do and people that don't I do mm. and I think it's not that I think that, you know, well, actually I do. I do think that helping people is as critical as Mark Law's role was there because mm. there are people that are teetering on the edge of life. There are people that are teetering on the edge of security, of sanity, of all of those things. There are marriages that are on at breaking point. There are families that are you know, dysfunctional. And this is all just in our industry, mm. right? And there's also families that are thriving and successful, but disconnected. Yes, definitely. Right? So that's as critical for me as Mark Law's role was critical. Mm. And it's also really critical for me to have fun and really critical <laughs> for me to have joy and really critical for me to have freedom. And I get to do that and this work as well. So, you know, that's success. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that, that success? Is 100% success. <laughs> I love that, Simone, and I've absolutely loved this this conversation. Yeah, I knew it was going to be good, but it's uh, it has been amazing. And, and thank you. So to wrap us up, that if people have been listening to this and they think, wow, I need to, to contact you, I need to speak to you, how do people find you? How do they get in touch? Well, I guess the easiest way is through our website. So we have two websites, coreleadershipinstitute.co.nz and uptraining.co.nz. Of course, they can reach out to you because they know we're buddies, right? So yes, definitely. And contact me. And fun fact I am not able to commit a crime or anything like that because I'm actually, if you Google Simone Liley, S-I-M-O-N-N-E, Liley, L-I-L-E-Y, 
there's just me. Really? <laughs> yeah. So there's, you can always you are the find one and only. Google. <laughs> I love that. You are you are absolutely the one and only. And, and that's why I 100% still say that you are the queen of the accounting kingdom. Simone, it's been a pleasure having you here uh, on Make It Count. We have to have a part two. Um, but for now, we will put all those links in the show notes as well so people can reach out to you. And I'm sure there's going to be a huge uptake after this episode. But for now, thank you so much for being part of Make It Count. And you're so welcome, Freddie. And thanks again for the invitation. I really appreciate it. And for the fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated, and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. We love getting feedback on this show, and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise, and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count. I'll see you on the other side.